Uh, Harry Curtin, uh, how the devil are you? Uh, the devil is good back here in Australia after, um, as you know, two weeks recently in New Zealand. Absolutely um, unbelievable trip, really. Nice. Uh, I, diff, diff. Um, I was going to say, I think that you'll probably be mid-April till I've spent the same amount of time with my wife as I have with you. <laughs> I mean, if you count every minute we uh, spent together walking those 40 thousand steps that day um i'm sure that might take a while to <laughs> get that long yeah i've um, I've, I've 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 used the forty thousand uh, steps claim quite a few times <laughs> um yeah mate we, i appreciate you coming on and obviously like spend a bit of time together in new zealand and do you want to kind of share a, a brief history of harry kurt and you can you can keep in the story where you almost die if you want <laughs> Sure, sure, let's do it. Um, yeah, how do I start this? So I guess typical Australian upbringing, uh, one that involved um, rugby league, the brother of rugby union in the winters and cricket in the summers, uh, country upbringing, so always around sport, always playing outside, a lot of a lot of play, which is very important. We might get into that topic later on in the pod, but uh, yeah, transition into high school, love sport, finish high school, didn't really know how to stay in sport um, without <laughs> progressing down the professional path and knew that so wasn't something that was probably um, available to me. So kind of filled out a few applications for university and PE teaching was one that I just thought, you know what, this is going to keep me around sport uh, without being in a, a professional sporting environment. So, yeah, I ended up getting stuck into that um, and then probably – two or three years into my, my teaching career, I think I realised after I I stopped or slowed down on my, my own rugby playing career that teaching and coaching were so alike and that I could essentially leverage the two to, one, just keep enjoying it, but, but two, uh, keep improving my own practice. So that uh, kind of led me to to Canada, which is actually where we first met back in, that was uh, early 2020, which was, sorry, early 2019, actually that was, um, shortly after, yeah, shortly after my accident, which is what you asked me to, to keep in the story, so uh, we can briefly, briefly cover that. Trip to the North Island in New Zealand for a friend's wedding. Uh, stumbling home after the wedding, and if anyone knows the, the North Island of New Zealand, up in the Coromandel, the, the road is quite close to the cliff edge. Um, now, I don't remember this, and, and nor can anyone else speak for how this happened because they weren't there. I was alone, but I have somehow stumbled down the, the cliff edge, um, landed on some rocks at the base of the, the cliff edge. It was low tide, so there was no water there to, to break my fall. Don't know how, but managed to climb back up the cliff edge, get to the road. Um, half an hour or an hour later, a lady and her father were going for a morning fish. This is about 6 a.m. by the time this is this is occurring. Uh, she, she's driving along the road, stumbles across what probably looked like something out of The Walking Dead in the middle of the road. Well, having seen the picture, and, it did look like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, blood basically head to toe. Uh, she happened to be a trauma nurse so 
certainly in luck there and also knew the the bride and the groom of the wedding I was at. Quickly called them. They weren't too far away. They arrived before the ambulance, actually, uh, and then taken to hospital about half an hour away in a place called Thames and then moved to Waikato Hospital. Stayed there for two nights. Um, all was fine in terms of there was no broken bones. Um, the biggest issue I had was the uh, – I had a major laceration on my – my head so unfortunately had to had to have a haircut in hospital they they stitched up the the cut needed some staples as well wasn't a pretty sight um certainly gave my my parents a bit of a scare back in australia but uh two nights in hospital and then managed to yeah to somehow pass a concussion test not too sure how to this day but flew back to to canada shortly after that but that essentially rounded out my my rugby career, uh, as it was, and the, and pretty much my my transition into to coaching, which kind of yeah, fast forwards to to where we are now, really. Well, I'm glad you survived. That was helpful. Um, and yeah, mate. Look, well, let's let's delve into like uh, a couple of weeks together in New Zealand. Like, what's the what's your, what's your best bits? What's the stuff that you enjoy? Oh, mate, it is. I've honestly spent probably every waking minute since that trip trying to think about, you know, maybe answering a question. If someone say, you know, oh, what was the experience like? How, tell me about your best bits. It is hard because it was an incredible experience. It was, it was what I was expecting and more. Um, and probably the reason why I had to sit down and summarize the experience as best as I could through an infographic, which I recently shared on Twitter, because it was a challenge to to think about what the the best bits were. But I mean, how do you summarise twelve days where you are living with uh, ten other coaches who you haven't met before, living in a house, spending basically every minute with those those coaches? You're coaching every day. You're having discussions every night around what you're experiencing, your feed forwarding for the next day, you're around 99 players from must have been at least between 15 to, to 20 countries. Probably a third of those players were Argentinian uh, boys. So the, the language barriers, you know, became a, a challenge and a, and a fun challenge at that. Uh, Co-coaches, facilitators like yourself, we had Mike Rogers, Jamie Cudmore. We met with the New Zealand seven staff. We had, Catch up with Aaron Walsh. Catch up with uh, Zane Winslade. I hope I haven't missed anyone out there because all of that packed into two weeks. Like, how do you summarise that? Yeah, it's pretty good. You were you were quite excited about meeting Walshy. Walshy could have been your favourite, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, still, still the I think the best person I know at providing simple frameworks. Yeah, good frameworks. Give him yeah. a shout out for his frameworks over breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, and you forgot scooters, climbing the mount, going swimming, um, copious amounts of coffee. Um, the list goes on, really. A night out. It does. Uh, ping pong games in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a night out followed by um, a very slow, low step count day the follow the next day. Yeah. And then I had, which you didn't have, I went to the Hamilton Sevens on the weekend as well. So. 
and it feels like another lifetime, like it's uh, already like, as you get back to the normality of life, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I already am thinking about next year's course and wondering if the, the school I teach at will financially support me again. That would be nice because <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I don't want to miss out. What uh, what's what's been the impact? What's have you like gone and had a go at some stuff? I know you were claiming to have had your first high five in a while. Yeah, certainly. So <clears throat> probably on a I mean, on a small scale, definitely. Uh, things like that in in the moment those interactions are are incredibly important probably trying to not that I wasn't doing this before but I think I'm now maybe a little more intentional about it the the peer-to-peer stuff so trying to help and this is in my environment teaching environment so students trying to help them help each other or recognize when someone might be doing something that, that supports their own learning so uh yeah today for example that we finished the the lesson with uh, three shout outs and I said okay I'm going to do the first shout out to someone who I thought was supporting their own learning in a in a pretty effective way and then I asked two students to to follow my lead um, and there was just one of the students that I, I picked out to to give the shout out to uh, at some point during the lesson I, I witnessed a student walk over to another student and ask how to make this activity more difficult for himself and yeah the the activity that the, the kids were doing is a gymnastics class and there was one station where the, the kids were using the trampoline and performing jumps and practicing their their landings and this kid had progressed to level three which was perform a, a land a controlled land after doing a 360 and asked another student how to make it harder and the, the other student suggested trying to do the the land from from further uh further back from the map which i just saw i just thought that was yeah really really cool to see and you know i I tried to signpost at the start of the lesson to say that you know effective learning looks like you boys talking to each other just as much if not more than talking to me i'm one and you're 30 so it certainly helps when you're all helping each other and to see that i was pretty um yeah, pretty impressed. Nice. And that's very cool. Yeah, so that, I mean, that probably is, is an example of something on the, on the micro level. Probably on a on a larger scale, I think the experience for me um, maybe shifted my thoughts about my own journey. And this is something we, you know, you and I chatted about towards the end of the course, but probably went into the course thinking primarily about myself and how I was going to try and improve my coaching practice. And there, there was a little subtle shift in those two weeks about, you know, perhaps there's, there's some space here for me to try and support other coaches in, in some sort of coach developer lens, or at least to, to explore what it might be like. Um, I spoke to you about my, my role at the school I'm teaching at. And I think you supported me well in, in preparing for that, so uh, excuse me, the the role of lead learner at the school I'm teaching at, where I'm, yeah, I'm essentially assigned twelve to fifteen teachers throughout the year, and uh, these teachers are uh, are there to have support from me in trying to 
help them improve their practice. Uh, and it's a, a fairly guided process in terms of we might have a discussion before an observation in a lesson and we might have an observation and collect some some data about some things that are happening in their classroom and then a post-lesson observation. But I think that, yeah, it's interesting that that coaching the, the coaches perspective or, you know, I guess coaching the teachers maybe for me at school, I think it's changed the way I'm, I'm thinking about my own journey a fair bit and I'm, I'm now curious to, to maybe delve a little more into that, that area. Well, you just nudged me and there's a couple of people I need to connect you with in uh, Australia on this, so uh, well done. I'm just writing their names down. I won't give them a shout out on the pod, but I'm going to connect <laughs> with you. Um, yeah, maybe think about lots of stuff there, like uh, like you just can't unsee levels, can you? Like it's just a really helpful way to scaffold like, learning. And, and as you said, for the kids to take charge of their own learning, so again, like signposting, which I think is super important, like... Uh, go to each other first, like help support each other as opposed to me. There's often a naive assumption, isn't there, that there's one teacher and and 30 people who are uh, sat there waiting to be taught to. Um, and then co-creation, like, again, just, I, I just think there's way more accountability when people co-create stuff with each other, peer-to-peer, -peer, like high value around belonging, giving and receiving feedback super important skill especially for teenage boys um certainly like and with my experiences as a parent around some of this stuff is the teachers would benefit much more from using peer-to-peer -peer, um more than teacher to student especially when we're talking about like people who just transitioned into the school um they might be from a different school they don't know everyone else so it might help them belong a little bit quicker than uh, than would happen just naturally um, yeah, I guess I, mean, I know we spoke about it again, but like the lead learner stuff, I think is really interesting. It'll it'll help you be a better coach because you're like metacognitive, but also like again, I just don't think it's abnormal over here in schools to have someone. And I guess you rotate it and you work. You know, you support different teachers, and it works both ways, doesn't it? Like I'm sure they're learning stuff and you're learning stuff as well. But that role is like in my opinion, really high value. Oh, without a doubt, like I will learn a, a lot through the, the next year from from all of the discussions yeah, I, I get to have with these, you know, some of these teachers are quite experienced. Uh, they're all in they're all in different domains within the schools. So I might be having a discussion with a, a music teacher about something they're doing. I've never I've never sat in a music class in my life, so I'm sure there will be things for me to think about. It might be an English teacher. It might be someone who's brand new to the school. They might be older, younger than me. So I think it is a really cool opportunity to to have those those interactions and and to learn from other one another. Yeah. I can't wait. To be honest, I actually have I have a meeting tomorrow um, where we are, and you're like this, we're discussing how to um, maybe not scaffold, but how to provide options on this this lead learner, these lead learner interactions. So, and I, I am going to be going with a, a mild, medium, and, and spicy choice <clears throat> choice menu. So, I just yeah, I just need support from um, what's uh, another person at the school who's called a, a pedagogical coach. 
to help me build out what those those choices might actually look like. So I'm excited to to have that, and I just think again we spoke about choice before, but here's a little bit of choice for for some for some adults who are looking to engage in some learning. And some might have different things going on in their life where they they can be afforded a little extra time or, or are keen to go a little deeper in their learning. And some might be might be flat out with, you know, whether it's family or other jobs and, and would like to not to do the bare minimum, but would like to, you know, engage at a, a more mild level and, and that's also fine. So I'm looking forward to to hopefully having some some good responses from those options being provided. Yeah, and that choice is uh, well, choice is something interesting. And again, I'm going to go back to the camper. I actually found the first week, as you know, quite challenging because I thought I was going to go to New Zealand and like the experience of the kids that we were coaching was going to be like, I guess, like something that uh, that it wasn't. So like they were pretty keen for me to tell them what to do. And us and you and all of us, they're pretty keen to do like drilly type activity, take away lots of the information from the game, probably uh, train at a relatively low level to the level that I felt like they would benefit from training at. And obviously we had one, one running with a dad who was threatening to take his son away. Um, so I guess the choice stuff's interesting, isn't it? Again, you're going to do my medium spicy. You're probably going to scaffold the choice. I think, um, and we we chatted about it a lot, like signposting in advance to the kids of their expect, you know, like you did. Like the expectation is you 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 work with one another initially before you come with the teacher. Um, probably to share some of the stuff around learning that would help them. But I definitely was. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about choice um, from that first week. It was quite a challenging week for me uh, in my brain. I don't know what you're yeah. nodding. I don't what stuff you're thinking about. Well, I mean, it was a challenging week, wasn't it? But I think we saw a little, a little change in the second week, and you know, we certainly provided opportunity for the, uh, the more position specific activities that are, maybe at times quite close. But I don't think we did that, um, so much that that was the only reason the the players started to really enjoy what they were doing and find value in. I think it started to make a little more sense when they became more familiar with it, and they, I think, they started to become a little more open to it. You know, there was times where we might have been, like yourself, was explaining things just maybe a, a little bit more to to help them understand what purpose of of this might be. And I think when we did that, there was that subtle shift in in how they're approaching it. And oh, didn't we see some some special things after okay. that in the I'm second week? The games at the end were ridiculous, quite frankly. They were incredible. Yeah, no, there was uh, there was some some really special, really special things going on in in all of those games. We've we've got high fives from coaches to players. We've got players celebrating, and you know these are these are players who have only known each other for for two weeks and have only really been in the same team for a few days let alone any longer than that. So it was amazing. Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool experience for the kids as well. I'm obviously biased, but like to go to NZ and, and, and inhabit the mount and go and work out how to play with different types of players and learn from different coaches and different cultures. 
<laughs> yeah, like remarkable, really amazing stuff. You spoke about music. I know I played around a bit with music uh, on the camp, but I was actually been thinking a lot about like feedback and I've been thinking about like passing and kicking and I'm going to start asking questions more like, like when you do it really well, what does it sound like? <laughs> I've actually been uh, thinking a lot about that. I don't think we use that enough. So it's on my, uh, it's on my to play with list. See uh, how that resonates with, uh, with some of the kids as well. Um, well, I asked um, I asked some of the Canada crew talking in Canada to give three words to describe uh, Harry Curtin. Um, what do you think they picked? Um, that's tough. That's really tough. Let's say if it's tackle, he might have said curious. He might have said. Oh, this is really tough. Friendly. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know what else he would have said. One more, one more. You, 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 you're in the right ballpark. Curious, friendly, and uh, why don't we say joyful? Okay. He said enthusiastic, diligent, and considerate. Oh, that's very nice of you. That's kind, isn't it? And then yeah. I asked him if he could add one thing to it, what would he add? Uh, what would be the one thing you, you would want to add? Oh, well, that's a good question. The one thing that I would want to add. Maybe something that would help me. Just thinking maybe something that would help me slow down. I'm not, not sure if Tucker would go down that path though. It's a little, it's a little specific to to maybe what I've just been thinking over the last year. Perhaps um, he might say, "Filter more." Okay, he said courageous. He said be more courageous. Oh wow, which I quite liked. Thought it was cool. It sounds like you're being courageous in your in your school at the moment. I love the way you described it as like think off air around like it's the place where we can go. I practice stuff and how cool is it that every day I can try new stuff and have experiments and, and learn from it. Yeah, it, it is a really a really special opportunity. So I just yeah, I find finding so much value in that at the moment. I might have four or five, sometimes even six classes a day. Um and every single one of those classes are opportunities to to try something, to reflect on it. Sometimes I might teach the same grade, doing the same unit in the same day, and I'm able to um, perhaps change or adjust an, an activity, just like we would in a the, those circuit activities that we did in the coaching course. You know, there's the the only thing is you, you might not <clears throat> well you might not have an interaction with someone uh, during your lesson because you're you're the teacher with that class, but you're certainly afforded the opportunity to interact with the other the other teachers and to discuss some some things you might implement. Uh, the the one challenge I've, I've been having lately is a new school year here in Australia. Obviously, our school years aligned to the the calendar year, so we're only we're just over one week into our school year. I have approximately across all my classes 150 students, new students. Basically, I, I know only know probably maybe a dozen of them very well. So we've got about 140 
names that I need to learn quite quickly uh, because we know how important that is to having more meaningful interactions. Using someone's name is, is certainly high value. So that has been a, a challenge, but even more so a challenge to uh, intentionally individualize activities for for these students. And that's where I think linking it back to um, signposting to the students to help themselves and to help each other is is really important because, like we said, I'm, I'm only one. So I can help, you know, perhaps make things less complex or more complex depending on an activity that we're doing through my observations or from my understanding. But at, at this stage of the, the year, it certainly is limited. So it really does help when the, those students take a, a little bit of control over their own learning and and it's it's special to see. And it's also what we're trying to encourage. So I'm certainly happy when, when I see it. Mate, the thought of learning 150 names fills me with dread. <laughs> but I'm sure you will be better at doing it than me. My immediate thought was bring a picture, bring an object. Like I'm much more likely to... <laughs> to remember it that way. And then uh, you obviously weren't in Lennox, but we did um, a session in Lennox where I got the kids, they could choose which coaches they wanted to compete against. So they chose uh, Beric Barnes because he's a legend. And then, you know, anyone that's listening uh, that was picked, uh, they picked you because you were like, they thought they could beat you. But then interestingly, so they picked Beric and then probably four or five fellas that didn't look like they were that good at rugby. But actually, they, once the uh, grown-ups started getting competitive, they started switching in. So they started switching out the, the C-team players. And, and Barry could start bringing in a few A-team players. Um, but we played lots of games with, you know, different problems. So uh, if you you know if you touch Beric, your score, their score got zero. But, but Beric didn't know that. He worked it out quite quickly. They had a, a secret cone that was double points to score on, and then the kids started hiding it. But... To go back to your thing, <clears throat> once we got into it, I eventually just said to the kids, like, just get into pairs, come up with something that's going to really um, help you get better in the next kind of remaining 20 minutes of this session. And um, and Harry, one of the kids who um, uh, whose name I remember, which is cool, um, he said, uh, oh, Rusty, I just need – and again, it was something that I'd noticed, but uh, – Again, I much prefer them to you interaction rather than you to them. Harry said, oh, Rusty, I need to work on passing a ball a bit quicker. And I was like, cool, like, is there anything I can do to help? And he was like, yeah, yeah. if you give me the second ball more often, that would be helpful. Um, so, like, how good's that? Like, kids in charge of their learning. Like, I was like, thank God you're here, Harry, to, to, make, yeah. my life, to make my life easier. And it's a bit like, uh, I love the, um, when I, I think you were there, when we were doing the session with the, the older group and the girls, I was saying, oh, what's the next level of this game? And the girls going, oh, well, the next level, like, we start to limit who can speak. So we maybe take away one person who can speak and then two and then three. And, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, and, and you do understand why I'm asking you. And she said, yeah, then you don't have to do any thinking for yourself. <laughs> but, but again, it's my view of, like, of what coaching is. Like, I think people do their own learning. So my job, of course, is to is to support that and scaffold it and signpost and, and nudge and challenge and all of those things. But ultimately, like, I want it to be meaningful to them. Yeah, and and quite often, perhaps all the time, they're the ones that know what might be an appropriate level of challenge for them and what might be the, the next 
they're, they're the ones that... They're medium and spicy. Yeah, correct. And actually, you, you have just nudged me on something. I said to myself before this school year, I was going to do this. I have since forgotten with the craziness of coming back to school. I missed the first few days of school because of our course in, in New Zealand. So I'm, I am, do feel like I'm on the uh, on the wheel, the mice wheel, and a little bit trying to play catch-up. But you have nudged me on something I need to and will ask the, the students um, – just that that simple question of what's what's one thing I should know about you that'll help me teach you better. Yeah. And I, I just think that yeah that, that might provide a lot of value moving moving forward, especially with the amount of students I have and to help individualize things for them. So a little yeah, nudge, asked, thank you for uh, that. I asked Harry that question and um and Lennox said and he said uh Feedback, Rusty, uh, often I get feedback that's not that helpful. It just tells me what I'm not supposed to do. Uh, it would be really helpful if you gave me productive feedback that would allow me to move forward. I thought that's pretty cool for like a, I don't know how old he was, like 13. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I agree. And also timing of feedback, that you just nudged me there, it makes me think of the amount of times I've either finished a lesson, a session, and activity and provided feedback at the end of that task and the the person who has received the feedback has no chance to, to try and implement it. They're, they're off to the next lesson or session or task and and that, that just gets forgotten, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah important Marcus to know. Smith, Russ, if I could, if, uh, uh, Marcus, if you give me one thing to help me coach you better, what would it be, mate? I think I need more feedback in the moment rather than later. So that's pretty good feedback for me. I appreciate that. Um, I got some stuff I'm going to... I've got like five questions I was going to ask you if that's cool. Um, Let's do it. Of course. Uh, I asked permission in case you didn't know. Um, <laughs> uh, what was your most challenging moment on the course? Most challenging moment on the course? Probably... It's probably a moment that happened several times but I think this is certainly something I haven't had to deal too much with in the past but it was the the language barriers it was managing the um, just how multicultural these teams were uh, and at first it was it was an incredible challenge so we I think there was one team that uh, Justin and I had a shout out to my my new favorite oh, American I Justin. Like I imagine you and Justin are still zooming each other every night. <laughs> <laughs> we are certainly going to connect when uh, when he gets to Australia, and he knows there's always a, a bed here for him in Brisbane. But in our team, probably I think we might have had about 12, 12 kids. There was half of them were were New Zealand kids, half of them were Argentinian kids, and we had two Japanese kids. Yeah. So we were trying. Yeah, we were trying to and. For the most of the Argentinian boys, or for all of them, Spanish is their, their first language. But for most of them, English um, was was not a strong suit. And for the two Japanese boys as well, they were, would fall under that same category. So to know that we had, I think, two sessions, maybe an hour, an hour and a half, two hours at most, to train with this group ahead of a, a tennis tournament to try and develop some things like Oh, shared language, 
understanding of of roles. Um, Man, I love what you did around shared language because you had you had the sushi call, didn't you? Yeah. So you know, again, trying to um, help make the language more of the more of theirs, more their own language. We basically let them decide what the language was. We just help scaffold um, what they were going to use the language for. So, uh, for example, we had a, a defensive press call, which was just when our, our defence was going to be a little more active and to try and take space. And that was and that was Ariba, yeah, Ariba, Ariba. So when we heard the when we heard that shouted on the field, that was that was a pretty special. And then one of the the calls uh, for just for quick ball was was sushi. Uh, and we we had another call called Ghost as well. So we that that felt cool. It did feel like we were trying to help accommodate to the to the the multicultural aspect of the team, and yeah, certainly their language. That was cool. What was your most surprising moment? Most surprising moment, probably when I when I realised that I'm might be able to help other coaches in a in a in some sort of coach development role i i guess i didn't really think about that at all coming into the course and and probably when that light bulb yeah maybe went off in my head i started to think oh okay this could be a, a slightly different opportunity than than what i originally thought yeah you did and you did a fair, a fair bit of that on the course you had opportunities to do that you obviously like and some currency. I'm not that good at sticking the currency, but it was it was probably a way of igniting some stuff. So you hosted a meeting, you uh, you presented your IDP like um and, and again you were, we paired you up with coaches that so you would have a you know an opportunity to support them as well. Yeah, and that that probably that experience sharing my, my IDP, I mean I've developed probably a few informal IDPs through my very brief coaching career, but I have never, we spoke about this on the course, I've never shared my IDP with anyone other than my better half, Brenner, and to share that in person with uh, 10 coaches, maybe I was motivated to earn the currency for <laughs> my team and, and therefore be able to, <laughs> to buy things, but uh, what an experience that, that was. I, I remember phoning my partner not uh, not too long after it happened and just talking about how powerful that was so just to be able to, to I guess share those important aspects of you know what I thought were my strengths my weaknesses my threats my my opportunities and and to have a discussion like that it was it was rich it was yeah a memory that I'll I'll never forget and what's your thing in uh, February so you've done your January thing it's on your RDP haven't you so you're 12 in 12 months so you know what's your what's your february yeah really really good question uh, uh hasn't been locked in yet i've i've got a, a list of things that you know i'm basically considering but i've i've kind of nudged two potential potential options there's uh there's a a skill acquisition um guy here in here in brisbane I've, I've been chatting to recently that i might catch up with and he's been doing a lot of coach analysis stuff so um things like coach behaviors and session design and and to help coaches improve so I'm, I'm thinking about catching up with him the other option that i have been discussing with a 
a co-worker who works at the, the school I work at um, is a, a semi-professional rugby league team here in Brisbane and, and reaching out to them and, and seeing if I can uh, observe a session, discuss things with maybe one of their coaches, try to find a little bit more about what they might do and, and the reasons why they do that. The only challenge with that second option um, is it might feel not that they would feel threatened by a, a rugby league coach, but there is that sense of, you know, there's that sense, some, some places have it all over the world, right? There's that sense of or outsider coming in, not really sure why we would want that. Um, maybe sometimes people aren't as open as, as others could be. So I haven't ventured down it. I'm hoping that, that, that they will be open, but I'm just not too sure how things will go. Maybe you could signpost them, offer them a mild, medium and spicy option. I'll <laughs> <laughs> um, add to you, so I'm going to connect you with Rob Mason, so that could be your favourite one. But, but you're much more likely to be held account because you shared your, you know, the stuff you wanted to do. And I think it's a cool thing to do, like to have a you know, really different experience each month, the next 12 months, either in a different environment or hanging out with some different coaches. Well, you know, and I'm sure you'll do more than 12, but like 12 is a reasonable start, isn't it? And what's yeah. your oh, yeah. biggest aha moment? Biggest aha moment. This is obviously a moment where I'm realising yeah, something going, that oh, I maybe should have. Right, God, yes, wow. Uh -huh. There was something that uh, James, another another co-coach oh, that man, I was paired with through like, the. Honestly, like James is going to be coaching the All Blacks. <laughs> he, I mean, his ability to facilitate a discussion, second to none. I, I, I do it. We'll try to do it at least almost every day at school. Uh, James, never been a teacher, ex ex policeman though, and I, I feel like I took so many things away from from him. So the one thing that stands out stands out in my mind when I think back to our experiences, maybe a bit of an aha moment was we're having a uh, a bit of a, a team connection. <laughs> meeting we're, we're trying to chat together with a heap of new players who have basically met each other for the first time and we're trying to build a little bit of a, a connection with one another we're trying to help the players build a connection with with them and i think james asked the group a question and it was it might have been something around you know, what would you like to do i think we were discussing what we might want to do for the day off the next day we, you know, we had options we could climb up the mountain we could go to the pool we could go to the beach um and James asked the group and then just – and there was a, a bit of a silence. No one wanted to speak up. And it got to a point with the silence that in my head I thought, I'm about to say something here, but didn't. And James just sat there in silence and just waited for that little bit of extra extra moment. And eventually one of the, the players spoke up. James and I spoke about it after and I – yeah, I commended him on – on waiting like he did for, for as long as he did. And he said, sometimes it just works. Sometimes we, we want to we want to jump in there and, and help probe a conversation, but there's no harm in wait, waiting those extra few, few moments. Some people think it's, it's awkward, but it's okay. And he said, oh, I love feeling awkward. <laughs> I love seeing, <laughs> seeing people in those awkward moments. Uh, so I think the aha moment then 
was watching that unfold and thinking to myself, how many times have I um, cut someone cut someone's thinking off just before they might have been about to say something? Are there other moments where I could just wait a little bit longer and perhaps hear something of high value? Yeah, and just to give James context, just started coaching as a lad, didn't he? And um, he hasn't played rugby and doesn't know the game and they won the championship and then he then got to coach. Uh, he coached a bit with Paul Poe on the evening. So I love the fact that the coaches went and hung with Paul and did a bit of coaching. And and then he ended up, uh, the girls did really well on the last day in the, in the competition. So he, he was two from two. And then the day after he went and he coached some of the... Uh, the Black Ferns in the sevens team, and he ended up three from three, and he did the three piece. Um, but of course, being a hostage negotiator, you probably got to be really um, intentional and comfortable with like silences. And, and I guess there's probably some good ones and there's some bad ones, isn't there? But I, I'm sure no one died from a silence. <laughs> not, not, not recently. Uh, fourth question. Uh, what uh, what did it reinforce about your coaching? So what did it make you go, oh, I'm on the right track here? Yeah. It's got, it's got to be the levels, I think. Um, can't can't go away from that. Um, I used it recently in a, a class as well, uh, completing an invasion game. And I just ob- observed, a, I think, a much more effective game than than what I might have observed in in my previous teaching practice, um, the the kids were afforded more more appropriate space for them. Um, I think if we think about, you know, I might be talking about a younger grade here, so grade sevens. Some of these these boys are twelve or thirteen years old. Um, often, if you're playing any kind of invasion game, whether it's offside touch, for example, you know, they tend to be bees like honey and and swarm to to the ball and maybe not um, work off the ball as much as they might, scanning, that kind of thing, moving moving to space. And I used levels the other day to um, divide the the field and to help help the players progress by making things more complex as they they got, got through the level. So I think level level one was um, all players in your if you can imagine a pitch divided into three parts, all players were locked into their own space, their own third, and they were able to decide how many players from their team were locked into each third and, and who those players were. So a little bit of choice there, a little bit of thinking about, you know, gave them the nudge on thinking about your strengths and weaknesses, who you might put with who. Um, and then once the team leveled up, we, we played a game for five minutes and the winner of that game was the team that leveled up. That then afforded their opposition two players that they could unlock. So essentially what I was trying to achieve was by unlocking their opposition players, the the pressure of time and space, <coughs> excuse me, would be increased, therefore making things more complex on the team that leveled up and hopefully creating um, or maintaining a, that, that Goldilocks zone, that, that just right level of challenge for, for those those kids and um, excuse me. I think I think that really helped, and I think that's that's certainly been reinforced in my practice, and I'll continue to use levels moving forward for sure. 
nice. I was thinking again, you could use old one, new way with the uh, with the players around the ball, couldn't you? You could actually go right. Everyone needs to stand within two yards of the ball now, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, it feels ridiculous." Um, last last one of my questions: If you could replay one moment, uh, what would what would be your replay? If I could replay one moment, what would be my replay? Well, that's hard. That's hard because of the amount of of special moments there were in that on that course. I mean, I, I could choose a thousand with with the players and uh, watching them, but I, I think we'd be here all night discussing that. I think <clears throat> I might actually choose a moment with the coaches to share. And there was there was a moment when we were sitting in you know this house. We've, we've got a, a two two level house. There's nine or ten of us coaches there um, at once, all all around each other's space. You know, we're eat, we're eating together. We're shout oh, we're discussing. To, we're spending. Shout out to us to Massimo being a great chef. Shout out to King. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have eaten it. I was just King Massimo. <laughs> he he did a tremendous job uh, feeding everyone. There was one moment where I recall us sitting on the the balcony uh, and Philo was playing guitar. Shout out to Philo and his guitar skills. And, and Paul was there singing with him. Shout out to Paul and his beautiful voice. Uh, and I just turned around, had a bit of a moment, and just saw everyone interacting, like having a good time. Uh, sorry, discussing the the days of the creation, but also discussing things outside of that. Uh, and what a special moment that was. Nice. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, last question. Uh Two things to make the course better for next year. So go back in uh, 2024. 20, uh, what's what's the two yep. things that are going to make it better for you? Love it. Great question. I think I think learning a little more about the coaches before we get there so we can all help each other grow. I think that would really, really help. So <clears throat> we've spoken about sharing an IDP, maybe maybe we do um, a scaffolded version of that. Sorry, I'm having a, a coughing fit here. Um, that might be one. And then two, second thing to help the course um, be better next year. Oh, that's a really good question. I have one solution. Perhaps the second one, I know what your answer is. A couple of frameworks in advance. Yeah, well, I've already said we might scaffold the, the IDP, but <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we, we could certainly we could certainly scaffold uh, scaffold with some frameworks, things like um, session design. We might scaffold reflection. We might scaffold um, more formal reflection written down after a session. We might scaffold an informal discussion a little bit. I think just to help us be, yeah, be quite intentional about about what we're what we're going through. So that would certainly help. Um, if we're looking for the the most simplified frameworks, we might go to Aaron Walsh for for some. Perhaps. Yeah, he's always got he's always got a list of three. He's always got a list of three. Conf confidence needs evidence was one of my favourite quotes from him the other day. I've used that. I used that the other day, and someone said. Did Aaron Walsh say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. 
yeah, he's, he's a pretty switched on guy. I'm off. I like how he synthesizes everything. Does a good job. Mate, it's been a pleasure um, catching up as, as, as ever. What uh, If people want to check out your stuff, obviously on, on the socials, I will share with the pod your reflection piece, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, well, not pretty, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. I also think that's very, I'm not surprised because you would go, oh my God, there's so much going on. I need to consolidate it, <laughs> compartmentalize it, and put it into some areas. So I do get that as well. Where where would people yeah. where would people find you? Yeah, pro- probably Twitter's probably the, the easiest place. So just my my full name, Harry Curtin, H A R R Y C U R T I N. Um, I, yeah, I post most of my things on there, and, and certainly welcome questions to anything I produce, and I like to I like to connect on there. It's a pretty it's a pretty friendly place when you can find the right, right people to connect with, isn't it? Yeah, no, true story. And if anyone wants to come patio dancing with you, they can as well. Yeah, I've uh, been waiting for you to, to to bring that up. <laughs> if you are if you are curious about what Rusty's reference is, there you can search on Instagram at patio dance party. One word: p a t i o d a n c e p a r t y. And you you might see a few videos of a uh, a patio dance party that was started during during the beginning of, of the pandemic in Canada. Some fun there. Yeah, it's cool. So that and, that and that was why he started, just to kind of get people out, you know, dancing and connecting and um, in a tough time, uh, maybe having a bit of fun. Definitely, mate. That, that was the purpose. And, and we, we basically realised that everyone was out there at 7pm um, applauding the at-risk workers and then we'd all kind of look at each other. We're 30 metres away from each other. We're in high-rise buildings, standing there, looking at each other, and we'd all go back inside our, our apartments. <laughs> and, yeah, my uh, my better half, Brenda, and my, my friend Hayden, we realised this is a bit of an opportunity here for us to connect. Like, what are we doing? Let's grab a speaker and see if we can get some music going. And all th- before we knew it, it, it led to um, a pretty fun experience of 41 nights in a row where we – play different requests and uh, you know what there it is provided a bit of choice uh, and, and had some good time doing it so yeah certainly it developed a, a sense of connection and a little bit of belonging in that that pocket mate awesome I appreciate your time I know it's late for you now in Oz and probably your bedtime uh, hopefully you have an amazing day at school tomorrow and we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon mate thanks Rusty take care mate <laughs>